Hey, I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge. If you've never heard this show before, well, good news. It's pretty simple. Do you have a teacher or coach or professor that you've had that really inspired you, someone in your life who deserves a spotlight? Well, tell us about the person that comes to your mind. Shoot us an email at teacherslounge at niu.edu, and they could be featured on the very next episode of this show. Today, Jackie Clevin is on the show. She's a second grade teacher at South Prairie Elementary in Sycamore and teaches at Kishwaukee College. Now, longtime Teacher's Lounge fans may remember Jackie's name as the first person who was ever on this show. She shared a personal essay about how she feels at the end of every school year. And truthfully, I I always felt a little bit bad because she was our only guest who never actually got interviewed. We were still kind of figuring out what the show was, so we wanted to fix that more than a year and a half and... 40-plus episodes later. We talked about a lot her career, coming back in person during the pandemic, getting vaccinated, and just like in that first episode, we talked about how she felt at the end of the school year, but specifically last March when COVID-19 ended it all so abruptly. That day was a very dramatic day. Um, My students and I, and I actually took a picture of us because we had just received a book from an author we had written to, and I was sharing the book to them and the letter that she had written back to us when we got news from NIU that all of our student teachers had to immediately leave the building. That was on March 13th, and that happened about 1.30 in the afternoon, and I had a student teacher. So my student teacher left, and I felt at that moment that we weren't going to come back, and I also felt I wasn't going to get to say goodbye. And it was a hard last hour and a half for me. Before we get into my conversation with Jackie, we wanted to tell you the story of a Rockford jazz singer and educator who has already left quite a legacy in the city. And here is WNIJ's own Yvonne Booz to tell us about her. Dorothy Page Turner can be described as sort of, well, a Renaissance woman. In addition to singing and being a retired teacher, she writes books, poetry, and plays, leads a number of youth art initiatives, and has received many awards for her work throughout the years. Paige Turner grew up in Arkansas. She says she had dreams of becoming an opera singer. I am classically trained. I mean, I have a degree in uh, music education, uh, special emphasis in voice, and I sang opera, and I wanted to be the next Leontine Price. She met her husband in college. He was from Rockford. After graduating, she moved with him to the Northern Illinois city. She explains that she didn't realize how much she would love teaching until she started doing it. She says she experienced discrimination when applying for jobs. I couldn't even get an interview, even though I had the degree, I had all of the credentials, I had everything that I was supposed to have. But she didn't give up, and a couple of assistant superintendents gave her a chance. She started teaching fourth grade at Ellis School. Paige Turner had a different approach to teaching. She infused math and social studies with music. The word about her teaching style started to get around. A year later, she became an education specialist in music, and she taught in a profession that she never thought she would settle into. Still, she didn't lose her passion for singing. Her first paying singing gig was at Bellamy's Lounge in Rockford. She taught during the day, Monday through Friday, and sang five nights a week, Wednesday through Sunday. And what I feel was so important to let the children know, I wasn't this unreachable star. 
I let them know that they could do what I was doing if they wanted to do it. And Paige Turner did inspire her children to reach for the stars. Folk singer Joe Jenks says she changed the direction of his life. She started the Black Theater Ensemble in Rockford, and when I was in my early and mid-teens, she invited me to be a part of it. Uh, I was the only Caucasian member of the ensemble. And he did some things in, uh, in the play that really just broke his heart because he had to actually put a slave on the auction block. She says he was in her kindergarten class, and she recalls how his eyes lit up when they would sing folk songs and Negro spirituals. Paige Turner also used storytelling to engage the You're children. So late getting home from the office. She credits her father, Willie Page, for her love for this medium as well as music. She says his skills made neighborhood children flock to their Arkansas home. They knew that after dinner time, they could come around to my dad's house and we would sit under this oak tree and he would tell us stories and sing us songs. She used this technique in her class. She narrated stories while the children used instruments for sound effects. Willie Page died in 1982. A year later, Page Turner released her first album called Blues of a Different Color. Although Page Turner experienced racism early on in Rockford, she says there's a reason why she stayed. I stuck with Rockford because I believe in change and I believe that I am a change agent, okay? I'm the kind of person that when I taught, if I saw something that I could do to help a child raise the positive self-esteem, then I did it. She expresses that the city still has work to do when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Paige Turner continued to connect with young people in various ways before the pandemic, but now she doesn't get to be in their presence. She is excited about a series of books that she has coming out soon. She loves traveling and learn about a South African penguin while there. The children's books will focus on the challenges and triumphs of a penguin with autism spectrum disorder. One of her many accomplishments, she says, this project is the one she is most proud of. But to others, she is already and will continue to be a Rockford legend. I'm Yvonne Booz. I'd be a crazy so-and-so. Thank you, Yvonne. And okay, now it is time for my conversation with Kishwaukee College and Sycamore second grade teacher, Jackie Clevin. I want to point out, and I know this is an audio program, however, there's some kind of dragon that's behind you. Oh, this is Gus. Tell me about Gus, because I'm gonna, can you describe the... Can you describe your dragon for me here? Okay, so so Gus is the phonics the phonics mascot for second grade. Um, we we teach um, using units of study through Lucy Calkins out of New York, and I actually had the opportunity to go to New York two years in a row, one year for phonics just a couple of years ago before COVID happened, and another uh, year I went for reading. And so while I was in New York. Um, it became obvious to me that, that if I didn't get Gus for all the second grade teachers, we wouldn't get Gus. <laughs> okay. So I went through all this huge process in New York to, to, with a friend of mine who was out there with me at the time to get these dragons back boxed up and sent back here. 
And the, the funny part, the funny part about the story is that the dragons made it home before we did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so the second grade teachers were all really happy. So right now he is wearing his um decon his construction outfit for deconstructing words. Oh, he's wearing a construct. That's what the vest is. Okay, this makes lots more sense to me now. See, I remember yeah. phonics. I just remember the slogan. I just remember hooked on phonics, but I don't remember any dragons. If there was some sort of uh, fantasy creatures involved then, that would have been way more yeah. exciting for me. <laughs> I know, right? You know, and so he talks to the second graders every day. It's kind of fun. I just keep him back here with me. Um, he helps them with their reading and their writing. And it's a great Zoom background, too. You can tell that I've just given up at this point. At this point, I just got the white background. I'm like, this is this is fine. I'm here. What more do you want from me? <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of color going on here. You might get confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'd ask you because, I mean, you're a second grade teacher and you had to teach remotely, you know, have a, a whole Google Meet full of second graders, I'm assuming at some point. Did they get creative with the Google Meet backgrounds and stuff like that? Well, at one point, it became an option for second graders, for all students to add these backgrounds to to the Google Meet. But then what I was discovering as a teacher is that I couldn't see their writing or their whiteboard if they was if they would hold it up. Right. Yeah. The background would would cancel that out. So then so then I had to tell them that they could only use a background during during our morning meeting and that they had to turn it off after that. Any creative ones that have caught your eye over the last couple months? Oh, so very, lots of different ones. And one of them that's, that's distracting to me is like a bunch of horses running. <laughs> Just a majestic <laughs> field of horses. I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention for the people that are listening to this is that Jackie, you were the first person that was ever on this show, like 40 plus episodes and that was really at a point where we were still trying to figure out what the show was. And so yeah. you were actually the only person that's been on this show that didn't get a proper interview, didn't have a proper conversation with me. And I've always felt bad about that. And oh, so, and so I, I wanted to make sure that we could rectify that. <laughs> well, I am so glad that you reached out to me because I still have that little story that I wrote for um, your first show. Yeah. And here we are, 40 plus episodes. This was uh, over a year and a half ago now. Uh -huh. And the story that you told was about the last day of school and like what that means to you, what that feeling is. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that because I'm curious about another last day of school that you had, which is last March, the last March. day. Did you know that day that that was going to be the last day of school, at least for a little bit? And tell me about what you remember in hindsight. That day was a very dramatic day. Um, my students and I, and I actually took a picture of us because we had just received a book from an author we had written to, and I was sharing the book um, to them and the letter that she had written back to us um, when um, we got news from NIU that all of our student teachers had to immediately leave the building. That was on March 13th, and that happened about 1.30 in the afternoon, and I had a student teacher. And it wasn't just like, was it at the end of the day or was it like they have to leave now? 30, their placement had been terminated. And so, so, so my student teacher left and I knew at that moment that we, I felt at that moment that we weren't going to come back. And I also felt I wasn't going to get to say goodbye. 
and it was a hard last hour and a half for me. So (laughs) in that that last hour and a half, did you like, can you even start to say goodbye to people? Cause like, you don't really know, but you also like, you know, you don't want to make it seem like that because we have no idea if it's going to be, you know, three days or whatever. We didn't want to scare the children. We didn't want them to think we weren't because we didn't know. And, and, um, and we couldn't even send them with their things at that point. Right. So, yeah. Cause people had to eventually come back and get their things. Right. Yeah. Well, they left, like they would be coming back, you know, on Monday and we, and I knew, and I felt in my heart, we weren't coming back on Monday. And that is a, that's a very, very different last day of school than you've ever had in your career. I'm sure. <laughs> yep. And, and, and I'm a very Pollyanna kind of person. And so in my mind, I thought, oh, this is just going to be a couple weeks and or a week. They'll just extend our spring break just a little bit and we'll be back again. And so that's that's how I moved forward um, without kind of losing it internally at that time. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I was on a call that day, you know, whatever it was, like March 16th. 13th, whatever it might have been, with someone from the, um, I believe it's the Illinois Digital Educators Alliance. Yeah, because it's IDEA is their acronym. right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was talking to them because people were starting to discuss like remote learning. You know, people were talking about the remote learning days because that had been a thing that had passed through the Illinois legislature like the year before then. And it was like the, it was the no more snow days bill back, th- back then, right? Where you yeah. could have these virtual learning days instead of for inclement weather. And right. I was talking to them and I was like, okay, so like some schools have plans for it, but like they have plans for having a virtual day for a snow day. But I was like, I know this seems wild, but like if this goes on for a while, our school's prepared to do that. And everyone was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And it seemed like a wild proposition to be like, this could last for a while. Like to assume that it was going to happen for an extended period of time seemed out of the question then, or we just had no idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, for me, who I, like I've already told you before, I don't do well with the end of the school year because I kind of struggle to find my purpose a little bit, right? Once the year is over and then boom, it's over. Um, And, and, and though we came back, um, it was without the, without being with children live, it was, you know, trying to find, repurpose myself as a teacher and, and, and have a game face that was exciting and somebody that they wanted to see and, and relearn as a teacher was, was, was hard. But I, the more, the more I got into it, the more I wanted to be part of it. And I'm a team, I'm a team lead here. So I got to be part of making the choice boards for that emergency remote learning. And so that gave me a real strong purpose in the spring, even though I didn't get to, to be with the kids directly. And then I don't know if you know, do you know Dr. Timothy Rosinski? No, I don't. No. He is, he is a wordsmith. And when COVID hit, he took it upon himself to, to create a daily word ladder for students. And, and so, so um, I reached out to him and and he, he would create one every single day. And so it became the engagement piece for me, 
my kids look forward to meeting me every single day online live to do that word ladder. And um, because they had already done well over half of a book of his word ladders and they were excited because it was whatever that day was like national popcorn day, he would make a word ladder and he's actually still doing that. So it became a huge engagement piece for me. Yeah. Can you and, explain to people who might not know what a word ladder is? What that well, is? A word ladder starts at the bottom with, with a word and then maybe at the top, the word is, is the opposite of the one at the bottom. And then yeah. you rebuild words all the way up with little clues. There's probably 10 mm-hmm. on, on a page. So, so the students, the students loved it. And then, as we were closing the year, they started to create their own wow. word ladders and they were really good at it. And so then I was like, all right, then you guys can teach them. And so that they would take turns teaching the word ladder that they created. So it was, it was a big engagement piece that I'm still using. How long did it take before you felt really comfortable in that kind of remote teaching space or do you at this point feel like you're really comfortable? Has Have you gotten to that point yet? I feel like I am very comfortable with all the tools that have been given to me. Yeah. Um, um, the thing that that is a, a very uncomfortable thing for me is when things don't go right with technology. And I feel like my <laughs> like my students need me and I can't control that that that's where I have a hard time because, because I don't want them to become disengaged because of a technology glitch. Right. Right. Because of things that are out of their and your control. Yeah. Cause I can control everything we do and I can make it, I can mix it up. We can do poetry. We can do read aloud. We can write, we can, we can do response to literature. We can have the time of our lives with literature because I am a grade level specialist. So I only teach ELA. Mm-hmm. And then I have a partner across the hall from me. She teaches uh, the math, science, and social studies. So I can really have a lot of fun with English language arts in transitioning and being very engaging and animating with kids so that they want to be here. Are they back at least in some capacity now? Yeah, so so I have a hybrid A day and a hybrid B day. And, um, and how that day works is all the kids in second grade in this building, I'm at South Perry Elementary, they come into my classroom first for, their, for the ELA portion of the day, and then um, they go for lunch, and then they cross to the other um, classroom for math, science, and social studies. And while those kids are in here, my partner is teaching all the at-home kids. And oh. while, while, while those kids are in her room i'm teaching all the at-home kids for the afternoon when i asked you if they were back at all your face just lit up (laughs) you were really excited i remember when we were thinking about not being here with kids i was like i am essential like i have to be here i have to be here for kids i don't care what anybody else thinks or says this is what i need to do how are the kids? Do the kids feel like, especially like on that first day that you guys had back in some kind of hybrid format, were they feeling excited or what was the mood like? I feel like it was probably a combination of excitement and worry. Right. Because you know, they hadn't done it for a while. They didn't know how it was going to be. Um, 
And I, I mean, all of us as teachers, we, you know, we latch on to how students are feeling and, you know, we really realize that we have to take the time to look at the whole child and, and build that relationship here in school and make them know that, that, that they're loved and they, and that we're so happy that they're here and we just want to help them grow. I mean, it's really important, especially right now. I, I um, make sure to have a, a special time for us each day where we just talk about a topic that they choose and, and visit. Like I, 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 I think it's important for us to visit because here they are six feet apart, just doing their work, right? And they need some time to visit with each other. Being really purposeful about yeah. the whole child and talking about mental health and just like you said, just having a conversation. I at least think that a silver lining, if we're at the point where we feel like we can start looking at what are some silver linings that we've learned through this experience, is, that, is it maybe that, that we can start to be more purposeful about spending that time with people? And with those kids? I think it's very, I think it's a very important thing to do. I think, I think we have spent a lot, uh, this is my 18th year of teaching. And I think we've spent a lot of time. Um, when I first, when I first became a teacher, it was a very, I was a, a one, two, a first, second grade teacher. And, and um, it was a very developmental thing and foundational to have first and second graders together. And, and um, you're really working hard to scaffold them, and 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 then uh, out of nowhere, this drive for data, right? And the high stakes tests came, and and and, and sometimes I feel like the pendulum just kind of swung a little bit too far on that, right? We really yeah. need to get the whole child and what the whole child needs. Do you feel like are, are there any other, if we're thinking about silver linings, things that you've adopted? over the last year that you think, well, that actually worked really, really well. Well, I've always been the kind of teacher where books are, are key, right? And, um, and during the spring part of our COVID journey, I, I knew that we were in the middle of a 40 book challenge and I knew that I had to keep them highly engaged, but we couldn't give them books. We couldn't give them anything at that time. Um, we couldn't take things to their houses because there was so much we didn't know about COVID yet. And so, and so I got my students all, they were all involved in Epic already. And so I started to create, and I had my student teacher help me create book stacks for students to, to reach their goals. Right. And then it became a situation where they wanted, where we were going to celebrate. So they would individually meet with me to celebrate their 40 book goal. And I will never forget the day that the little girl, um, when I met her for the celebration, the whole wall behind her was a hundred post-its of all the books she had read. And she wanted me to see that. And so when we came, so I was like, wow, these kids are really getting into this. And then Mr. Wesley, our principal, he, he started to announce when they were meeting their 40 book challenge. And then that made it even more inspiring for them to keep going. So then when I started this fall and we could actually get supplies to kids, I have a lot of books. <laughs> and <laughs> I decided that whether those books came back or not, they had to be in the hands of children. And so I started to individually pick books, sets of four for each student for each week for the pickup. 
and um, and they have really really loved that. And then last month, our principal purchased each teacher more books so that they could send books home with their students. And I've I've just been embracing that I have this opportunity to get books in their hands and that I have so many books and it just doesn't matter to me if they don't come back. That's fantastic. Of course, if they come back, I want them to, so yeah. I can give them a trial, but if they don't, then they don't. And now that you guys are back, you know, in some kind of hybrid, are you, have you gotten your first uh, vaccine shot? Actually, my mother is a, is a middle school teacher and just as we're recording this yesterday, she got her first uh, shot of the vaccine. Have you gotten yours yet? Yes, and it's kind of funny how it happened because the day that we got an email saying that they were going to vaccinate teachers, I very quickly got a text from my husband because he's a he's a middle school principal in, in the same district here yeah. saying he had signed up for his COVID shot and that I needed to get signed up and go to the website. And like within a two-minute span my boss walked in and he said you can get your shot you can get your shot and and i had goosebumps i had goosebumps when i signed up for the shot i had goosebumps when they gave it to me i felt like i was a pioneer <laughs> i'm telling you i am living vicariously through everyone that's gotten their first one yet i can't imagine the relief and the goosebumps that that is i don't know how i've made it this far and i haven't gotten covid but i am so grateful and and my mother said to me, in what world does your boss come to you and say, you've got to sign up for your shot? And I said, I said, I'm so glad that I have a boss that would come to me and say, hey, you need to go sign up for your shot. Because, of course, I want I want to be vaccinated to be able to help kids better. And, you know, you know, one thing kids don't re really need right now is for us not to be here. Yeah. And so it, 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 I will do whatever I can to make sure that I am. I, I feel bad. I feel a little guilty that I have mine. And, and I think others. that's, I think that's natural. Yeah. And it just, it offers me the opportunity to serve more safely. And that's all I want. Absolutely. Yeah. To be able to have peace of mind to do your job is invaluable yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to bring out to you, and this is a complete 180 in the conversation. This could not, <laughs> it's very different from a conversation about vaccinations. However, it's something that I was thinking about, and that's something I've been thinking about ever since that first episode, ever since that you sent me in that, that speech that you gave, which is that when I got your information, you know, you're a second grade teacher. I assumed that a lot of the teachers that we were going to have on our show were going to be grade school teachers. Because oh. I, I, I was thinking back on my, you know, like, who are the teachers that are the most memorable, you know, grade school, you usually only have a few teachers, so maybe it's easier to hone in. But we've only had like a really select few, right? Like I've, I've, we've had more than 40 episodes of the show. I think that we've had less than five grade school teachers on there. Maybe they've somewhat forgotten about second grade. You want to hear something interesting? I mean, of because course, it's, I love interesting. I, I, I do have a doctoral degree in, in, with a reading cognate. And I teach out at Kish. Okay. And yeah. I've had the opportunity now to have four of my second grade, uh, former second grade students from, from my second grade class in my Kish class as freshmen. Does it feel like those are... And uh, actually have one this semester. That's amazing. That's incredible. Does it feel like, oh, that's, that's exactly the same person? 
Yeah. Is it really? Because I, I assume that it probably would be, right? Yes, yes. And she was a great writer then, and she still is now. That's so <laughs> yeah. interesting. It's really cool. And what are you teaching over at Kish then? So um, at Kish, I teach uh, an intro to special ed class, which couldn't be any farther away. Like, it's completely different from what I um, went to Northern for. And, um, and I also um, am in charge of the clinical students. So the clinical students are here in this school and I'm their supervisor. Wow. So, really cool. I was going to ask you too, given this, what we just talked about, about grade school. And I wanted to ask a little bit about your own journey through education and how you got to this point. I was curious, not just at what point did you know that education was the path that you wanted to go down, but was there a grade school teacher in specific that kind of inspired you to want to go back to this age? I always knew since I was four that I wanted to be a teacher. I just wasn't sure what the road was going to look like to help me get there because I didn't I didn't have family that had been through college. So they didn't really know how to support that journey for me. Yeah. And so I started college right out of high school. And, um, and then I got married and had two children and I quit. But I always told myself, you know what? Um, at some point, this, 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 whatever you get can't be taken away from you. And at some, at some point, I will be a teacher. And so, and so then I found myself as a single mom raising two boys and I met my husband, Jim, he, he, when I moved here and we got married, the first thing he said to me was, we need to get you back into school to finish your teaching degree. And so I started at Kish and, and the rest is history. And I am just grateful. And I, I don't think that there's a, 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 a teacher that inspired me to want to be a teacher. This is just I innate. Just, I just knew that it was what I wanted for myself. And it was a calling that I had my whole life. And I just knew I'd get there someday. And it's just always been there. You can't even remember like the spark of what it was. It was just kind of innate. Yeah. When I see kids that have, um, that know what they want, because I always have students write what they're going to do someday with their life on the last day of school. And then I keep it and I like to give that to them when they graduate. Um, I, I always think, oh yeah, he will be a doctor. He says he's gonna be a doctor, he will be. You know what I mean? I, I can tell, I just feel it for them. I think you're right. And those kids that you were teaching at Kish, and mm -hmm. those that are learning special education, I wonder if those are some of those people that you were talking about, right? That knew at that age. I know. And it, it's, it, especially when you say you mentioned your story that you started your journey back into education at Kish and now yeah. you're teaching at Kish and then you yeah. had kids in Sycamore that you have there. There's a lot of full circle moments. It seems like throughout your career. There really is. When I graduated from Northern with my doctoral degree, the um, educational, the person who was in charge of education out at Kish, her name was Jody Lord, and I, I actually had my first class as I came back as a non-traditional student with her. She reached out to me and she said, Jackie, I have an opportunity here for you. I think you would be great at it. You need to come here. You can do this. And I remember talking to my husband going, eh, I don't, 
I mean, I have this degree, but I don't know if I want to go anywhere with it. And he's like, why don't you give it a try? And, and so I've been there now out at Kish teaching as an adjunct um, since 2016. You know, you've been a teacher for, would you say, 18 years now or so? Uh-huh. Yeah. When we think about the big things technologically that have changed, right? I'd imagine that's a lot. Like even when I think about when I was in school in like the mid 2000s and early, is it teens? Early, early tens? Is it tens? Yeah. I, I don't even know what we call that decade. <laughs> yeah. I saw such a vast shift even in those, that time. And from then on, even in the last five years, I feel like the shifts in technology have been seismic from, you know, me... Yeah. Like I graduated high school in 2014 and at my school, we were still like pushing giant carts with like laptops that weighed 45 pounds. And, you know, I remember like, early, like in middle school, we were using like overhead projectors and that sort of technology toward now, however many years later, not that long after a lot of most school districts seem to be at least moving to one-to-one, -one, if not completely one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. And then with COVID, we've seen this exponential jump with technology, yeah. having to embrace it more. From a, as a, your perspective as a grade school teacher, do you think post-COVID, we kind of try to move back a little bit, swing the pendulum in the opposite direction and say, hey, maybe for kids this young, we need to scale back the screen time a little bit i feel like i feel like we we have to be very aware of screen time because the although we want to stay ahead of and with the trends right right um we we still that that social the socialization of children is still such a big part of what needs to happen in this world and it's it's yes i i i i think we have to go with it and i think one-to-one -one is is so important um so that we're prepared for anything that could happen um but we also have to be very aware of that all right jackie well i don't want to take up too too much of your afternoon you're still in your class i assume that you can probably go home at some point that's <laughs> why so i don't want to keep you cooped up in the classroom and uh, thanks for coming back a year and a half later and actually having a conversation. Thank Perfect. you. All right. See ya. Yep. Thanks for listening. As always, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. It's how we get all of our guests, like how we got Jackie. So send them our way, teacherslounge at niu.edu. Wherever you're hearing this podcast, subscribe, leave us a rating, whatever you can do. It just helps us with the algorithm and helps us get more people listening and more perspectives and more educators on the show. Big thanks to the Northern Illinois band, Kind Ofs, for the awesome music you hear throughout every episode of Teacher's Lounge. Big thank you to Yvonne Boos for that story that we heard earlier. Thanks to Spencer Tripp for our Teacher's Lounge logo. And I've been your host, Peter Medlin, and we'll be back with even more of Teacher's Lounge very soon. See you later.